forgotten since I've been here. But I think I gave a uh, scenario, so I want to kind of update you with that. I think the last time we talked about Alex, was she in Mozambique, Africa? It's around Christmas. Anyway, uh, I'll just follow up with that. I feel like God was just encouraging me to tell you this story. Uh, but before she left, God told me to give a car away to a lady in our church. And I thought, well, Alex ain't going to need hers. She's going to Mozambique, right? So I went in and I said, because uh, I've trained my kids that, you know, nothing belongs to you anyway. It all belongs to God. So if he's asking for it, just give it. Because when you sow a seed, it reproduces after its own kind. And so, because I've taught my kids this, I said, Alex, um, you know, so-and-so needs a car. You're going to Mozambique. Why don't you give her yours? And she said, mm, okay. So we, uh, we gave the car, and the lady, you'd have thought she won the lottery, man. And Sheila, I mean, by the time it's over, she's jumping up and down. We're all crying, Okay. And uh, Alex gets back, and, of course, she needs a car. And I said, well, listen, what did you sow? And she said, well, I sowed a car. And I said, well, then I want you to start believing that God's going to get you a car. Now, she sowed a, um, you know, this is the part I love. Even though you sow an apple seed, and it may be a red apple, did you know you can get a green apple tree? I don't know. That's weird, but that's good for Alex because she sowed a sedan. And she got an RX-8. She's 19, so you could tell it's definitely an upgrade. But not only did she get an RX-8, but um, she got it for half price. Because the guy was moving to Istanbul, Turkey. And so he had it on a lot. He was trying to sell it. They couldn't sell it. So finally he just said, I'm selling it for this and just cut it halfway. And, and so we got it for half price. That's not the full story. The same day she gets a car, someone in our church walks up to her and says, we want to pay all four years of your school to go to college. How I mean, that's a pretty good harvest, just sewing a sedan, getting an RX-8 and getting all four years of your college paid for. You know, and a lot of times people say, well, I, I, I just don't have anything to sow. Well, what you're saying is you're not a giver because God says he gives seed to the sower. You know, I think God's trying to teach me something in this. I, uh, this is not the message. This is all free. <clears throat> but um, I, I'm living in a rent house right now. And we hadn't lived in a rent house in years. Okay, But we had to move quickly to Yukon and so Hunter could go to school. And so we found this rent house. And, um, I had weeds in my yard, so I had a guy come and spray them. Well, I'm not very patient. And so in about two weeks, I'm looking out there, and there's still weeds. So when I moved up, this guy had bought me some weed control stuff. So I went in there, and I picked up the jug, and it said, kills weeds. I said, okay. So I get out there, and I'm spraying the yard, right? And two days later, I'm realizing it kills more than weeds. It killed everything. Now, how many knows, you know, we're on a corner lot right when you drive in, not good. So I leave to go to Australia, and the guy comes over while I'm in Australia. I'm like, Sheila's problem. I'm gone, right? Well, he's pretty particular about everything. And long story short, last night I'm out in my yard reseeding the whole yard <laughs> with this little hand thing, right? He wanted to resod the whole thing, and, and Sheila said, You know, God must be saying something. You killed everything. Now you're reseeding everything. She goes, I think this is a prophetic act. So I was wanting rain this morning. But I tell you that to inspire you to the place of understanding how to sow. Because it is a promise that when you sow, you will reap. This is what I know. It may not come up tomorrow. But within about a week, I'm going to have little shoots of Bermuda grass coming up. I don't care how dead it was before. If I put that seed in the ground and I water it, guess what's going to come up? Bermuda grass, right? Why? Because that's what I planted. 
So this is what I want to challenge you on, like what she was talking about. Don't just give and not be believing for what you're giving for. Most people just give and say, well, what are you believing for? Well, I just believe God will bless me. How? Because when it comes, how do you know it's God? You know, if you're just giving without attaching faith to it, you could just be doing it by works. Now, we'll spend it, but we don't want to spend your money. We want you to get the blessings for it. So you need to give, attaching your faith with it, saying, listen, I'm giving and I'm believing for this. I mean, once Alex sold that car, she's believing when she gets back, she's going to get another car. And God says, like she said, it's going to multiply, so it's going to be a better car. Right? So a farmer, it would be goofy for a farmer to go plant seed and not expect a harvest from that seed. All right? Open your Bibles with me. That's all free. We, uh, I just got back from Australia, so I'm a little bit on Australia time, which is jet lag. I came back, went right into a prophetic conference in San Antonio, and, and then came back and went to a youth camp. Turned around, went back to Dallas, then drove up here. Okay, it's amazing. I go to this prophetic conference, and everybody has iPads now, right? All the ministers, and I pull out my duct tape Bible. No, I'm from the South. <laughs> Open up with me the book of John. I want to lay some things out for you this morning. We've got three weeks to do this. And so I'm going to give you a couple passages and we'll kind of go from there. You know, the biggest thing that I want to lay out while we're here is identity. It, it really doesn't matter what I start off preaching on, I'm going to end up with this. And the reason is because I believe it is the most crucial thing that the body of Christ is lacking. Is most of us don't know who we are. We find our identity in what we do, not in who we are. And we know that when the heavens opened, Jesus said, this is my son, right? So first and foremost, your sons and daughters, above everything else, above your gift, okay? Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, intercessor, song, leader, children's pastor, whatever businessman, you are a son of God or a daughter of God first and foremost. Are you with me? So he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness, Right? So the wilderness is a place that God sends you when he pleased with you. And the accurate picture of the wilderness is 40 days, not 40 years. See, Moses went in the wilderness, and it was never God's plan for them to take 40 years in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of testing. Everybody say testing. Nobody likes testing, right? Well, you should. Because you cannot be promoted without a test. Come on, any of y'all go to school? Before you can go to third grade, you've got to finish second grade. So what do they give you at the end of second grade? Test. The good news about God's test is you already have the information to pass the test, or the test couldn't come. So whatever you're facing, guess what? You already have the information to pass it. Are you with me? The good news about God is if you don't fail the test, you just get to Take it again. Right? He's not going to promote you without taking the test. Well, what's the greatest test? Well, if we're to look at Jesus and he's our substitute and also our example, the way the enemy came after him is the way he's going to come after you. The biggest temptation when he was in the wilderness was not to show his power. The biggest temptation was to show his authority. So there's a difference between authority and power. Authority comes from who you are. Power comes from the gift that God has given you to be who you are. There's a difference. Remember when he told the disciples, he said, go and wait in Jerusalem and you will be endued with power. That's when the Holy Spirit came upon them. We know the Holy Spirit, when he comes into our lives, he brings gifts. And he empowers us. And, but you have to understand, your gift is the power that God gives you to minister to someone else. But your identity is where you get power to defeat the enemy for yourself. Are you with me? One of the hardest things for a prophet 
is to hear what God's saying to him in a situation. Because he speaks to the identity. He does, you don't get to use your gift to hear God for yourself. Does that make sense? I mean, because a lot of times I'll pull people out to prophesy. I have no idea what I'm about to say. And it just comes. I wish I could do that to myself. <laughs> right? It don't work that way. See, he, everybody has an opportunity to hear God for themselves. That's called a son or a daughter. Just because you're a prophet don't mean you're going to hear for yourself better than God speaks to someone else. It's the gift that God gives you to minister to people. Are you with me? So when the enemy wanted him to cast the stone into bread, it wasn't about the power. It was about if you be the son of God. See, he was after his identity. Okay? Because my Bible tells me all authority... Has been given to who? Jesus, right? So that means somebody don't have any authority. So this is where I want to take you this morning. I'm just laying a foundation for you. Listen, the enemy has no authority. He has power, but not authority. And the only power he has is what you give him. Anybody out there? You see, what we do is we blame way too much stuff on the enemy. And we're going to say, well, the devil did this, and the devil did this, and the devil did that. Well, I have found the devil when I looked in the mirror this morning. He was looking back at me. Right? You are your biggest problem. Because listen, if the devil is still your biggest problem, then Jesus didn't do what he came to do. And if Jesus didn't defeat him, what chance do you have? Do you get that? So you need to settle some things today is, listen, I'm not telling you the devil's not real. I'm just telling you he has been defeated. And he does not have authority. And the only power that he has is what you give him. And you give it to him right here with how you believe. See, how you believe about something becomes your truth, whether it's truth or not. It's your truth. Okay? So I want to challenge you in something as I'm laying this out for you today. I want to show you something. I'm going to ask some questions. Don't answer them. They're trick questions. You've probably never asked yourself these questions, but I'm a weird guy, okay? I read the Bible, and, and I get questioned. God asks me questions. And I, I've understood this since probably about the last 15 years. When God asks me a question, he's not looking for information. Now, he already knows the answer. But if he's asking me the question, it's actually showing me I don't know the answer. And most of the questions he asked me, I thought I already knew. So let me ask you a question. Did you know you were bought with a price? We all know that, right? We've been heard it over and over. You were bought with a price. Here's the question. Who did he buy you from? Oh, well, well he bought us from the devil. Oh, let me give you some good news and just kill a demon here today. The devil has never owned you. <laughs> Did you know that? Now, the church in its verbiage still says that about lost people. Well, you know, the devil owns them. They're full of the devil. Right? Well, I, that's not what my Bible says. My, my Bible tells me that all mankind were created in whose image? God's image, not the devil's image. Hello. See, you may call them a child of the devil, but God still calls them his. Depends on how you see it. See, I just look, them, look at them as potential sons and daughters. But a lot of times, listen, I, I'm glad God didn't see me as someone before just full of the devil. He looked at me and said, no, that's my son. Because what he saw, he saw through Jesus. Because his will is none should perish. See, he died for the whole world. Whether you accept him or don't accept him is irrelevant. He still paid the price. And whether you get born again or not born again, he doesn't love you more when you get born again. He loves you the same across the board. So when I started looking at this, I said, well, wait a minute. The day will come when I'm 137. And my children's children, children, 
will be at my bedside. And I'll have done some great things in my life. Right? But right before I go, I'm going to make a statement to all of my kids and my grandkids and my grandkids' kids. You think that'll be an important statement? Would be, wouldn't it? Because if I know it's going to be the last thing that I say before I go, how many knows it's going to be pretty weighty? You think I'm talking about me, but I'm really talking about Jesus. So if he was here for 33 and a half years, and he now he's hanging on a cross, and he's about to go, and the last thing he says, you think it'd be important? You think it would be weighty? Well, here's what he said. Anybody know? It is finished. So here's the question. What's finished? Because most of our doctrine and theological ideas of God are still laying things out that need to be done. So you're saying Jesus is a liar? Because the creator of the universe... That is Jesus. Not anything was made was not made by him and for him. Said it is finished. So if he finished something, we should be walking in the finished work of what he did. It's not up to us to get it done. Come on, are you with me? So people say, well, the Abrahamic covenant, it's finished. You're right. But that's not all of it. It actually means paid in full. Teletestai. That's the word, teletesta, paid in full. So here's the question. Who did he pay? And what was paid in full? Because in Proverbs it tells you this, that the borrower is subject to the lender. In other words, the borrower is underneath a dominion of the lender. Come on, if you you owe money to the bank, the bank has something on you. But once you go in and you pay that note off, they lose that dominion. They have no more authority over you. In other words, now they cannot take that property. It belongs fully to you. It means it's paid in full. So if God paid something in full, it means now you are no longer in debt to something that you were in debt to. The good news is you were never in debt to the devil. You've never owed him anything. Well, it is quiet in this Presbyterian church. I thought the offering was quiet, man. They're quieter now. You know, 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells you you were bought with a price. So I I want to show you what you were bought from. Romans. I don't even give you John 19.29. It is finished. Turn with me to Romans. Chapter 8. Let me tell you the difference between power and authority because most people don't even understand this. A policeman can pull me over out there and he has the power to put me in jail. But he does not have the authority to keep me there. In other words, the enemy has the power of suggestion, has the power of thought, has the power to affect your belief system, but he does not have the authority to keep you there. See, the only person that has the authority to put you in a place and keep you there is a judge. And I got good news for you. Your daddy is the judge. And he's done rendered his decision, and his decision is he loves you. His decision is he's made you righteous. His decision is you're his son and daughter. Now, whether you believe it or not, that's up to you. And it determines how you operate in this life. But he has decided it's settled. It's judged. See, we look at judgment, we think it's a bad thing. Judgment's a good thing. So you have to come to an understanding of how you believe because how you believe determines how you operate in life. You know, most people's ideas is, you know, the enemy's still in control of this world. But the Bible says that Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Colossians said he made an open display of him through the heavenlies. 
So you've got to determine you're going to believe preachers, you're going to believe what Jesus said. He's the one who paid the price for it. He's the one that displayed him openly that he's been defeated and took his system down. And once again, if he didn't do that, we're all in trouble. Because how are we going to do something Jesus didn't do? So is he the prince in power of the air or is he underneath your feet? He can't be both. I people all the time, well, you know, he, 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 he's, uh, he's the God of this world, but as a Christian, he's underneath my feet. I said, where did you get that? They take scripture out of context and they try to use it to fit their message. But the heavens belong to the, to the Lord, he said, but the earth he has given to the sons of God. So watch this. In Romans 8, it says, the earth is groaning for the apostles and prophets. The earth is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. You know what the earth is groaning about? He's saying, who owns me? Because you've been given the dominion. You've been given the authority over the planet. The problem is we don't know it. And the reason we don't know it is because we've been operating by who put us in subject to something that now we no longer owe. But most of the church still tells us we're indebted to it. Most of theology and doctrine today still tell us we're indebted to this. But if we are, then Jesus lied and he didn't buy us with a price. And we know that price was his life, his blood that he shed. So somewhere you need to look at this guy that says he's God and determine are you going to believe him or are you going to believe preachers? And I can say that because I is one, right? But Romans 8 gives you the answer to this problem. 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised from the dead will also give life to your what? Mortal bodies. What does that mean? Flesh. Mortal. Okay? Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the... Bingo. B9. Bingo. He bought you back from the first man, Adam. The first man, Adam, ate of that tree of knowledge and good and evil and released into the world a sin. Are you with me? The second man, Adam, he had to come as a man and pay the price as the second Adam. In the first man, Adam, all died. But in the second man, Adam, all have been made alive. We no longer owe the flesh anything to be debtors to the flesh. What does that mean? The flesh does not have authority over you anymore. But most doctrine tells you you're just trying to do the best you can. And you're in the flesh and you're struggling to get in the spirit. And if you struggle good enough, I made it. Now I'm walking in the spirit. And if I walk in the spirit, I'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you know that's backwards? That's the old covenant. That's, that's the tabernacle in the old covenants, how they got into the Holy of Holies. Now watch this. The Holy of Holies now is you. You're the tabernacle. God comes to live on the... I mean, listen, we, we sing some stupid songs. I'm sorry, but we do. I just want a closer walk with you, Lord. You know that song? How are you going to get a closer walk with him? He lives on the inside of you. What do you want him to do? I mean, that's pretty close. Yet, it sounds good, but it's just showing how shallow we are. Come on. See, you need to understand, that has been paid for. When you become born again, you're no longer born of the first Adam, you're born of the second Adam. So you're born of the heavenly, not just the earthly. Well, let me ask you something. Which one has more authority, the heaven or the earth? The heaven does, because he prayed this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in... So in heaven, it's finished. 
What he's looking for you to do is come into agreement with what he said, paid in full, it is finished, and you have the right to bring heaven to earth. See, heaven is your inheritance, but not when you die. Come on. When do you get an inheritance? When you die or somebody else dies? And he died 2,000 years ago so your inheritance could come here, not for you to die and go there. That's a great retirement plan. And everybody wants to go there, just not today. Right? So you have to understand, he even told the disciples, you will be blessed and you will have houses and lands when? In this land. We're still singing songs about when we die, just give me that mansion in heaven. I don't want the mansion in heaven, I want the mansion here. Why? Because I want to use that authority and favor to influence people. The Gates Foundation, how many knows they got influence? They just made a decision that they're not going to fund abortion. Thank you, Jesus. How many knows they got influence? And they were going after them, trying to get them to do that. Why? Because they have influence. Money is influence. Position is influence. That's why the greatest thing that comes against you is your identity, because out of your identity, you learn to have influence. Once again, authority comes to identity. Power comes to gifting. Thank God for the gifts. I love the gifts. The gifts is what God gives me to minister to you. You know, we have people just, you know, finding their identity and they're being an apostle or a pastor or a prophet. That's awesome. I'm glad I is one, okay? I thank God for the gift. But the issue is that gift is not there for me to deal with me. Even when I operate out of that gift and bless you, you still got to take what was said or done and work it through your identity. Because if you don't, it'll just be stolen from you. Most people, you can give them a word and three weeks later, they don't even know what the word was. Right? Most people, they get a prophetic word, man. Oh, man, that's awesome. Did you hear what God said about me? And the angels are going, that one's going to hurt. Why? Because there's always a resistance to what God says. Always. Watch this. If you take a seed and you put it into the ground, did you know the ground attacks that seed? What's it trying to do? Kill it. Make it grow. That's, all, that's the only thing the ground knows how to do. It's why you put a fence post in the ground, and that fence post will rot. You know why? The ground's trying to make it grow. It don't know it's a fence post. See, that's why when the Word of God comes in you, it says the enemy comes to steal it immediately. Why? Because when it goes in you, what are you made out of? The ground. Automatically, it'll try to make it grow. So that's why he tries to come and steal it immediately. How does he steal it? Through your belief system. Most people won't remember what the word was when they get home. Man, you should have been at church today's awesome message. What did he preach on? I don't know, but it was good. Should have been there. Come on, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. Why? Because if he don't get that seed out of you, what's that seed going to do? The ground, what? Your spirit will make that thing start to grow. 30, 60, and 100 fold. So you put a seed in the ground, the ground attacks that seed to kill it. Now watch this. If it doesn't kill it, if you just throw the seed on concrete, what will happen? Nothing. Put it in the ground, what happens? It gets watered, the ground attacks it, and it kills the seed. When it kills the seed, it breaks it open. And a tree comes out of the seed that bears forth fruit that has more seeds. But hold that seed in your pocket and see if you ever get a tree. Come on, are you understand what I'm saying? What we do, though, is we resist the resistance. A chunk of coal will not be a diamond unless there's pressure on the chunk of coal. That's why the Bible says rejoice when trials and tribulations come. That's why the Bible says pray for your enemies. Why? Because you ain't going to be promoted without an enemy. 
Uh-oh. Why do you think he wants you to pray for them? Because whatever your issue is that you can't overcome, that's what your test is going to be. So if you have a problem forgiving somebody, get ready to be done wrong. So whatever you're dealing with is the issue that God is trying to promote you in. But to do that, there's got to be a test. Here's the good news about God. He always gives you whatever he's asking for. Think about it. He asked you to love him because he first loved you. He asked you to have faith. He gave you the faith. He asked you to forgive. He first forgave you. He never asked for anything he didn't already equip you with. So whatever you're facing, you're already equipped to accomplish and overcome what you're facing. What keeps you in that wilderness is you're griping and complaining. I don't know why I'm going through this. Because he's trying to promote you. Well, I don't understand why they fired me. Because he's trying to give you a better job. Come on. But what do we do? We become the victim. If you become the victim, I challenge you to go look at the people in the wilderness. It keeps you in the wilderness. It's called a circle. If you are still dealing, let me be nice. If the same thing keeps coming up over and over and over, there's a reason. I know what true love is. Listen, those things are not accidents. He's trying to show you why you cannot be promoted. Because a lot of times in our own self, we think, I dealt with that. But you see that person and you go, I dealt with it, but you're going to get yours. God, one of these days, you didn't forgive them. To forgive them means you don't hold it to their account as if they had never done it. That's why a lot of times he doesn't just say, pray for them. What does he say? Do good to them. Somebody did me wrong one time. God had me give them $5,000. You know that had to be God. But after I gave them the $5,000, God gave us our building. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? The issue wasn't the building. The issue was my heart. He didn't want that unforgiveness in my heart. He didn't want that bitterness in my heart. He was trying to show me, son, I've forgiven you. It doesn't matter what they do to you. You've got to release them and bless them. And so I don't just forgive them. I say, God, bless them. I want them to do well. Why? Because I don't see it as that person doing me wrong. I see it as that spirit they're operating by. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying? If you start to understand that, you can pray for your enemies. Because you understand, you've been bought back from that. You don't owe that anything. You don't owe the flesh anything. Okay, let me finish this. Turn with me to the book of John. Let me read this verse to you. Verse 6, it says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, where does your carnal mind come from? The first man, Adam. Come on. Where's your spiritual mind come from? The second man, Adam, Jesus, which Romans 12 tells you to be what? Present yourself a living sacrifice. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind well how do you renew your mind you got to take what the first man adam told you which is the knowledge of good and evil and now switch it to the second man adam which gives you the tree of life how many knows life trumps death are you with me every time see it looks like that god changes things he didn't change the law he just trumped the law okay I can tell i got to stay there for a second. Let me give you an example. How many of you knows the story about the woman caught in adultery? I don't know why I don't have a story of the man and woman, but it's just the woman, right? Because <clears throat> to commit adultery has got to be the man and the woman. Well, now I don't. But... Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. 
So they drag her in, and here's all these guys with the stones, right? And watch what they do. They come and they said, Moses said. Now, who gave the law to Moses? God did. Right? So it looks like Jesus is contradicting the law. Don't look too good for him. And they're using that to trap him. So what he does, he's smarter than them. And he says, okay, if you're going to quote Moses, then let me use Moses. You without any sin, because Moses basically says, if you break one, you break them all. So he's going to use the law against them and says, you without any sin, go ahead and chunk that stone. And they're like, mm, he got us, right? So they drop their stones and leave. Now, this is what it means. It means, he says, woman, where are your accusers? That word accuse, okay, it actually means condemnation. Where are your condemners? Now, this is what condemnation means. Condemnation means to hold you to the full punishment of the law. So that's what they were asking for. They were asking Jesus to hold her to the full punishment of the law, which would have been stoning. Because Moses said, stoner, killer. Are you with me? But Jesus come and took your place. He took the full punishment of the law for you. That's why Romans 8 says, now therefore, those that are in Christ Jesus are, what? No more condemnation. What does that mean? No longer... Does the full punishment of the law come on you? He paid the price and now removed you and set you into grace. Now let me just explain what grace is because we got a misunderstanding of what grace is. Grace doesn't cover your sin. That's mercy. Grace is the empowerment and position that Jesus gave you to overcome sin. Did you get that? See, because he overcome it, that's how you get saved. By grace, by what Jesus did for you. He overcome sin and then became sin for you. So we use grace all the time as, oh God, I messed up, give me grace. But we're saying, give me grace, like cover it, do away with it. No, the grace is so that you don't have to sin, you don't have to fall to that anymore. It's the revelation of the position that Jesus gives you because of what he did that you can overcome it just like he overcame it. Here's the issue. Was Jesus a man? Yes. Could he have sinned? Yes. Did he? No. So if you have his position because you're a co-heir with him, then you have the same position that he did with Father. Like he said in John 17, you can be one with him the way he's one. So what does that mean? Can you sin? Yes. Do you have to? No. You don't know the flesh anything. But most people say, well, you just can't keep from it. Well, if that's your belief system, guess what? That's where you're going to end up. So your starting point determines how you maintain in life. If you believe you're just an old sinner, guess what? You're just going to be an old sinner. And you say, saved by grace. So your idea of grace is, well, he died for me and he covered my sin, so I get to go to heaven one day. My gosh, you've taken grace and put it way down here. Grace is so you can bring heaven here, not just get to heaven. Grace is his position. You're co-heirs with him. That means everything that he had, you have. That's what an heir means. The co-heir means everything he owns, you own now. Right? So when that flesh rears up and says a temptation comes, you can go, I don't know, you nothing. It's like a banker coming to your house and you paid the note off and he don't know it. And he comes with a foreclosure notice. He says, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to repossess your house. You can look at him and say, no, you're not. Well, what do you mean? You know, you got a note here. And I said, well, sir, evidently you haven't updated your computer. Because here's the deed. See what it says there? Paid in full. I own the house. I'm no longer subject to you. So excuse me, get off my property. That's what you have to do to the enemy. When that thought comes, you can say, oh, excuse me, flesh. Excuse me, devil. I don't owe you anything. It's been paid in full. Come on, here is the deed. 
Get off my property. But if you don't believe that, then when that temptation comes, well, I guess, you know, everybody else is doing it. I guess I have to do it too. Just can't keep from it. Why? Because the church tells you that. Every man's battle. They write books about it. And tell you, all oh, you'll deal with this the rest of your life. You know, it's just, it's just something men deal with. Well, one man dealt with it, nailed it to a cross, paid the price for it, and it don't have to exist unless you allow it to exist. Come on. All right, five minutes. I don't want to give you too much the first week. You might be scared to come back next week. Watch what happens here. This is amazing. Let me finish this story. He said, where's your accuser? She said, I don't see any. He said, neither do I. What's he saying? Neither do I want to hold you to the full extent of the law and the punishment thereof. That's good news for some of y'all. See, I went to jail. I know. That was good news for me. All right? Now, watch what he does. This is amazing to me because this is, everybody say, B.C. That means before the cross. Watch what he does. He said, now, go and sin no. So you mean to tell me he's telling a woman before the cross to go and sin no more, and he's not going to tell her to do something that she's not able to do. And you're still stuck in, well, I just can't keep from it. See, that's a type of salvation. He gave her, listen, he's not going to tell her go and sin no more if he didn't empower her not to go and sin no more. So that's a type and shadow just like Moses was. Everybody had to go through the tabernacle and their sin had to be paid for by one man except Moses. Moses got to go talk to God face to face. Why? Because it's always been the plan for you to have your personal relationship with God not to go through to a man to get there. And that's what he was saying to her. He was saying to her, before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. So he's offering something to her in the natural that's already been dealt with in the spiritual. Did you get that? What does that mean? You don't have an excuse. It's paid in full. He said it. You don't owe the flesh anything. You don't have to go that way if you don't want to. You don't have to watch that if you don't want to. You don't have to read that if you don't want to. Here's the problem. You want to. Hello? Why? Because what you yield yourself to, you gravitate towards. Give you an example. Had this girl come up to me and she says, Pastor, I'm having nightmares. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, you watching scary movies? Oh, I love them. I said, enjoy your nightmares. Well, pray for me. I said, no, I ain't going to pray for you. Why am I going to pray for you if you ain't going to stop watching those movies? Come on, you understand what I'm saying? The issue is you ain't going to stop doing something. If you're, if you're yielding to that, guess what? It, a seed reproduces after it. A seed of horror that you're allowing in there, guess what? It's going to come out. That's the law of reaping and sowing. If you're watching that, you're sowing. Guess what? You're going to reap that. So let's just get honest. Devil ain't making you do it. You're wanting to do it. And until you come out of that deception and say, okay, my flesh wants to do this, but I'm empowered well, I don't have to yield to my flesh. Come on. Then you, you get to determine what's more important to you. Your relationship and your intimacy with God. See, it's not that I can't sin. I don't want to because I don't want to mess up the relationship I have. See, it's not that I can't cheat on my wife. I don't want to because I don't want to mess up the relationship that me and her have. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to hurt my children. I don't want to hurt my relationship. You think I'm talking about my wife, but I'm actually talking about my husband. Jesus is my husband. Come on, are you? Some of y'all looking at me funny. Not that kind of husband. Why? It's not that I, I can't. I don't want to. 
The problem is if you want to, you got to deal with the want to. Because the want to always goes back to something. How'd you get in the church today? Through that door. Everything that comes into your life comes through an open door. Through a mindset. Through trauma. Through something that happened to you. Come on, are you with me? So you need to get healed from that. And you've got to be empowered that you're in control of your life, nobody else. If you don't like where your life is, it's in your hands. Listen, the kingdom's in you. Everything you need for life and godliness is in you. Quit being the victim. Everybody's got a testimony. Everybody's been done wrong. Everybody's been offended. Everybody's got issues. Everybody. I'm going to go over here a little while. Listen, and if I got pain and you got pain, my pain's worse. You know why? Because it's my pain. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? The issue is what you're going to do with that pain. Everybody has pain. Everybody's been done wrong. You get a choice of what you're going to do with it. Does that make sense? That's my opening statement for the next two weeks. Hopefully, the next two weeks, I'm really going to drive home about identity. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because I know what it's done for me. And, I, you know, even the book I wrote on identity, I wrote it in an, in an identity crisis. Because I've been pastoring almost 25 years. And God had me resign, and then he wouldn't even let me travel. And how many knows I all of a sudden had an identity crisis? Because I was used to being up in front of people every week. I was used to that demand every week. I was used to people pulling on me every week. And when I stepped out, he put me in a house in the country where people couldn't even get to me. My phone wouldn't even work. And I said, God, what is going on here? And he said, I want to hang out with you for the next eight months. And I'm going to pay your bills, and I'll put you in this nice house. And, and why are you so angry about that? I was angry. I'll be honest with you. I was angry. Why? Because I was finding my identity in what I was doing. You know, now I can get invitations and turn them down. Used to, I couldn't. I'd get invitations. Oh, I'm going. Bless God. That's an open door. I mean, those them ain't all open doors. Used to, I prophesy over everybody. I'm learning. That ain't always best. Why waste your words on somebody that ain't even going to honor the word? You find out everybody wants a word, but most, guess what, don't even honor what you give them. That I'm paying a price to get. Make sense? Comes down to your identity. Stand up with me. I'm just going to give one word today. I just feel one. Sir, will you come? I'll just minister over you. I don't know you. As far as I know, it's the first time I've ever seen you. But this is what I heard of you. God's rearranging some things for you. There's some, been some things that have been out of order, and you hadn't been sure how to get them back in place. It's not that you don't want to. You're just not sure how. And God says he's come to help you. And you're making your plans, and God's going to direct your steps. Some things were look like can't be done, God says, watch how I shift it and change it. Watch how the favor that has always been there to a certain degree, starts to get stronger in your life now. For things that have been withheld are now going to start to open. His delay has not been his denial. He sees your heart. Where others would look at the outward appearance, he sees the heart. And he's going to honor some things that you've done in private, and people will get to see it publicly. And jealousy is going to come, and it's going to make some people bad because they don't think you deserve it. And God says, well, they don't get to vote in my eyes. You're my son. And you're making some decisions and choices right now that's aligning some things for your future. So some things that even the law has said and stamped you with, God says, watch how things will shift and change as you obey and yield to what I've called you to do. So, Father, I bless him. I release your goodness over him today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just hold out your hands. Let me pray over you this morning. God, I just uh, I thank you for the leadership of this house. I thank you for living word fellowship. And God, I thank you that you have a destiny and a plan for them in this city, in this state, and in this nation. 
And so, God, even as we prepare, even for the next two weeks, God, as you're going deep into their lives and you're setting them in their identity, that, God, authority comes to identity. You want to show them who they are and why they're on the planet. Not just corporately, but individually. That there's things they're going through right now, God, that you're wanting to align and bring an authority out of their life where they never have to go back to living less. You're returning them to the penthouse. That's what repentance is. And so, Father, I bless them today. And I say, let dreams and visions start to come alive in the next two weeks. God, I say, visit them in the night. God, it belongs to us. It's our right. Mysteries of the kingdom are given to the sons and daughters of God. Let us start to understand our rights as sons and daughters. That we have authority. That we have a right to know the secrets. And God, you're found in that secret place. You're found that we're to remove ourselves from the crowd. And have relationship with you one-on-one. Even Jesus with his disciples at times would separate himself and go talk to Father just by himself. And so, God, I pray for the people today, and I say, even as these things are being released, that, God, you're removing mindsets of how they've lived, and you're moving them into identity. God, I bless this house in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, real quick, family, before we get out of here, I just let's take one more second. I just wanted to, you know, thank Darren. And, uh, I know the next couple of weeks are going to be really exciting. I got a feeling God's got something really good for us. Amen. Uh, just want to just wanted to encourage you guys. You're going to have a couple of weeks, but you got an opportunity today to uh, sow back in. Uh, I was reading a scripture where it says to doubly honor those that preach and teach, and he's he's a. Uh, He's given us the privilege of hearing him for the next couple, two, three weeks here, and God's got something for us. So uh, I think the basket may be at the back, but let's take a chance and just sow, sow a seed. We've been talking about sowing a seed all morning. Let's take a chance to sow a seed and see what God's going to do in our lives the next couple, two, three weeks, okay? Bless everybody. Bless everybody. Have a good Sunday. Have a good Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Tell somebody happy Father's Day on your way out. Amen. <laughs>